Ephesians 1, verses 15 through 19. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might? This is God's word. Almost 30 years ago, a group of young adults came together to support an emerging concept, Christian Microenterprise. Microenterprise seeks to help the materially poor in developing countries to start their own small businesses, and Christian Microfinance supports those small businesses in the name of Christ. The name of this organization, Peer Servants, reflects the role and relationship they have with the national microfinance organizations they partner with in 10 different countries. More recently, they're expanding beyond microfinance into areas of vocational training and youth empowerment through their Peer Teens program. Peer is a unique model, being staffed entirely by over 200 lay volunteers. 25 years ago, Todd Engelson became the, pres the volunteer president of Peer Servants. He met and married Leslie, left John Hancock, and became their full-time president in 2004. We're pleased to welcome Todd Engelson this morning. Good morning, Westgate family. What a joy it is to be together again. Thank you, Gary, for that introduction. And thank you, church. As I often mention when we come together, Westgate was the first church to partner with Pure Servants. So you have always been a very, very special place to us. I wish we could be together physically this morning, uh, but I thank God for this technology that it does allow us to still gather. Uh, I'm coming to you from just up 128 in our offices in Wakefield, Massachusetts. And I bring you the greetings of our partners all around the world, our volunteers, over 200 now around the world, and the tens of thousands of micro-entrepreneurs and uh, students and young people who are being served through those partnerships. It's a very, very difficult time for them, as you can imagine, during uh, this pandemic. And at one o'clock this afternoon, there's going to be a panel on that. I'll speak a little more to that at that time. But thank you, Westgate family. You have been a lifeline to many over the years. And uh, I bring you their appreciation this morning. I um, am very, very honored to kick off our week together. And I love your theme for this missions conference. Seek and pray for a godly vision. And it is based in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, the very first chapter. I'm going to read Ephesians 1, verses 15 through 19. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might. So as we step into this passage, it reminds us that God has given us the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. And he's done that so that we might, we might know three things. One, the hope that, to which he has called you and me. Two, the riches of his glorious inheritance. And three, the immeasurable greatness of his power. As I was preparing for our time together this morning, I went to the Westgate website. And uh, I was so impressed with the very first words that I read on your website. And there it said, we're a family of believers centered on the gospel. And it goes on then to explain, well, what is the gospel? And it says the gospel is the most important news you will ever hear. It is the message of Jesus Christ. Specifically, the news of what God has graciously done to establish his kingdom. And I love that reference to the kingdom because I think it is central to Jesus' gospel. A verse that's often referred to from missions conferences is Matthew 24, 14. And there Jesus says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Jesus was focused on the kingdom throughout his life. Even when he was teaching his disciples and us how to pray, the central part of it is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when Jesus was speaking to Peter in Matthew 16, he says, Peter, I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom. So he's given us those keys as well. So if we're going to go further in kind of understanding what it is that the Holy Spirit may be saying to us, what we are to seek, we need to be grounded in the kingdom because that's what Jesus is, is, is very much focused on. So what is the kingdom? In my earlier years, if you were to ask me that question, I think I would have said heaven someday. But I now know that's probably not what Jesus had in mind because, at least not limited to that, because Jesus often said the kingdom is near, the kingdom is among you, the kingdom is within. And so there was certainly uh, an aspect to the kingdom that was here and now. At some point, I might have said, well, the kingdom is salvation. And the good news is it starts with salvation, but it doesn't end there. When we read of that, those verses in the first, few, uh, first part of John chapter 3 of Nicodemus coming to Jesus, we learn there that we need to be born anew, and being born anew is going to allow us to see the kingdom and enter it. But Jesus never meant for us to stay at the door of the kingdom. He wants us to come in and fully experience it, even to the degree that we'll experience that abundant life that will lead us to then want to extend this kingdom to others. 
So if, if that's not all of the kingdom, then what is? And we spent uh, uh, some time a few years back trying to describe the kingdom within our pure global network. This is uh, what we came up with. The kingdom is a place and a time where Jesus reigns. And as a result, people honor and worship him. They enjoy a loving, right relationship with each other and creation. They live with sufficiency and dignity, have access to power to overcome forces of evil and do amazing good. They experience truly abundant life and they extend such a kingdom to others. So that description of the kingdom helps you appreciate that, yes, the, the kingdom at its core has a spiritual aspect to it. But there's more to it than that. There's a social aspect to the kingdom in our relationship with one another. There's a stewardship aspect to the kingdom in our taking good care of creation. And there is a material or physical aspect to the kingdom in people living with sufficiency and dignity. We've gone on to actually create an acronym for, for kingdom, and it goes like this. Uh, K of kingdom is it's ruled by a king. And uh, of course, that king is Jesus. And he is a wonderfully benevolent king who loves us so much that he was actually willing to die so that we could come into this kingdom. It is, though, a one-king kingdom. It's not a two-king kingdom. And if you aren't experiencing the kingdom, there's a good chance that you've created the two-king kingdom where you're trying to control things instead of allowing Jesus to do that. It is a one-king kingdom. Secondly, the kingdom I is inverted. It's upside down by the world's standards. And uh, so it's a kingdom, whereas Jesus said often, uh, it's, it's a place where the last will be first. And perhaps even more amazingly, the first will be willing to become last. It's a place where if you want to be first, you have to be the servant of all. It's a place where you have to become like a child to be able to enter it. N, it's near and now. G, it's global. You know, I thank God for Westgate and other churches who have faithfully sent missionaries throughout the years to the ends of the earth. And now the kingdom has gone to the ends of the earth. In fact, now the kingdom is even being, is coming back to us. Our brothers and sisters around the world are being led by God to, to go as missionaries to America. They're looking at our country and saying it's the second largest secular country in the world. And so now many of our neighbors are those who God has sent to us to further extend the kingdom to us. It is D, difficult to enter. And you may say, hold on here. How can it be difficult to enter? Isn't salvation free? In fact, it is. We know that salvation is by grace, not by works. But Jesus said often that to experience the kingdom was going to be difficult, especially for the rich which are most of us relative to the rest of the world. O, the kingdom is for the obedient. And that's really important to remember. Some of us are just living our lives however we want to. We're the king of the kingdom. And then we kind of wonder, why aren't we experiencing this kingdom? Well, you experience it if you follow what Jesus said. He gives us the blueprint to experience that abundant life. And then M, the kingdom is like a mustard seed. It's one of many metaphors that Jesus used. And I love this metaphor. Because when you think of a mustard seed, and you think of everything God has packed into that mustard seed, so that with some good soil, some sun, some rain, it can grow up into a beautiful plant, all from that little speck of a seed. 
just think then what he's done in us. And if, if we will uh, grow in him, be discipled in him, we can go and have tremendous impact given what God has put in us. So that is our attempt to describe the kingdom and give a little acronym for the kingdom. And with that as our foundation, now let's go back to Paul's letter to the Ephesians and unpack these three things that are going to result from our seeking and praying for a God a vision from our godly vision. <clears throat> so Paul writes that the that we that God may give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him so that we may know again those three things what was the first thing the hope to which he has called us and the gospel message of this kingdom is full of hope i love to go to matthew 13:44 where jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all he has and buys that field. That gives you a sense of just how precious this kingdom is, how much hope there is in the kingdom, and how we should be people of hope if we've embraced that kingdom. The the, the gospel is such good news that if we're experiencing it to the full, we can't help but then want to extend that kingdom to others. So a question that I have for you today is, what have you found in the field? Have you found that kind of kingdom? Because it's a kingdom very much of hope. Jesus' strategy, given that hope to extend this kingdom, was he told his disciples, just go and tell what you're hearing and seeing of the kingdom. And as a result, the kingdom has spread to the ends of the earth. He's calling us to do the same thing. And it's actually something we love to do in Pure Servants. We talk about that all the time, of how it's, it's really simple what Jesus has called us to do. Just go and tell what you've seen and heard. Go be a witness. Go give a testimony to what you've seen. And so we do that often. We have... Uh, an annual award called the Liddy Award. It's going on right now. And it's when we honor those uh, entrepreneurs who, like Lydia of Acts 16, use their business as a means of blessing others. So if you go to our website, puresermons.org, you'll actually be able to read the stories of our four finalists. And then if you come to our banquet, we have a virtual banquet October 29th, Thursday night, 7.30 p.m. It's via Zoom. You're all more than welcome. You can actually hear more of the stories of those four finalists, and then vote for your favorite. That's one of the ways we love to just go and tell what we're hearing and seeing, because we're surrounded by these kingdom stories of micro-entrepreneurs and students within peer servants in this global network. Just recently, our partner in Guatemala um, was really wrestling with uh, extending health care to some of the poorest of the poor in Guatemala. They actually work uh, right near the, one of the largest municipal dumps in all of Latin America. And they are very effective at extending the spiritual aspects of the kingdom to the people and even the economic through their microfinance program, but they're really wrestling in the healthcare area. So they started a clinic, a free clinic. And many of these very, very poor people would come with a number of different conditions. And inevitably, they would need a test done at the, ha at the hospital to figure out a bit more of just what their condition was. And so the, the healthcare workers at the clinic would say, go to the hospital and get test X or Y. 
and that people would never come back because they couldn't afford that test. And so our partner said, we've got to establish our own medical laboratory where we can make these tests available at significantly reduced cost so that those who are so materially poor can afford them. And they approached us and said, we need $25,000 to complete this. We had a family in peer servants who saw that and said, we'll provide the $25,000. And so our Guatemalan partner now is in the process of building that medical laboratory and being able to offer really good healthcare, uh, comprehensive healthcare now to the very, very poor. To me, that's good news. That's a bit of the kingdom of heaven coming to earth. And I can't help but go and tell you what I've seen and heard of that. So that's the first thing that we're given, the hope that we should have and we should share with others. The second is that when God speaks to you and he calls you, you will know the riches of his glorious inheritance. And we just have to go a little further in that Matthew 6 to Matthew 6.33, a verse that you're very, very familiar with. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. God calls us to seek him first. And as a result, we'll have everything we need for the mission that he gives us. Now, you know, if you're like me, you may kind of wonder, is that really true? You know, um, if I, I'm a bit afraid to, to step out and, and, and pursue that. I, I'm not sure um, just uh, if I want to go sell everything I have and, and buy that field. I'm not sure Jesus is going to have my back if I step out and do this. Uh, I can assure you, Jesus has all the resources that you'll need. And I really stand before you as a, as a testimony to that. Some of you know my story. You know that I, I was an actuary at John Hancock. I loved my 20 years there. God used those years to raise me up to a relatively high position in the company. Uh, but at one point, God made it very clear he was calling me to manage risk for the materially poor, more so than the materially non-poor. And so in 2004, I left that position to take a full-time position as the president of peer service. Now, with that, of course, came a significant reduction in pay. Um, but I stand here now 16 years later, and I can say to you there has not been one day where our family did not have what we needed. God has provided. He has provided in abundance to meet our every need. So I stand before you as one that can testify to the, the riches of God and, and this glorious inheritance if we will just seek that kingdom first. We go from, from, from that second point to the third and our last point for this morning, that when God speaks to you and he calls you, you will know the immeasurable greatness of his power. One of the verses you love, I know I love, uh, you may love, is Ephesians 3.20. We quote it often. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. And we love the first part of that verse. More than we can think or imagine. How many times do we refer to that with uh, an outcome that we desire? But we often forget the most important part of the verse. It's because God's power as it is at work among us. And, uh, you know, it, it brings to mind just the growth in the early church that we read about in Acts chapter 4. And I want to read to you Acts 4, verses 32 to 35, and listen for 
God's power at work here. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work uh, in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Is it any wonder that that early church grew by leaps and bounds? God's power was at work among them because they were seeking the kingdom first. And, and uh, God calls us to that same kind of relationship in our day. When God calls you, you will inevitably end up at the end of your rope at some point. It will happen. And that's a great place to be. Because when you're at the end of your rope, that's often when we reach out and take hold of God and his power. And we're going to need to do that if we're going to achieve a mission so great as extending the kingdom of heaven to earth. It goes beyond what any of us can do on our own or even together. It, it, it necessitates relying on God's power. And I thank God that he makes his power available to us. In peer servants, our growth in our volunteers in these recent years has been primarily in the developing world. And so many of the volunteers come in relatively materially poor. And I'm so proud of our peer servants community because we've really created an Acts 4 group where those who God has blessed more are based on relationship with the other volunteers, meeting their needs so that there won't be any needy among us. And God is really blessing us as a result. Westgate, uh, you are a family centered on the gospel. May you seek and pray for a godly vision that will lead to those three things, immeasurable hope, unbelievable riches, and God's power at work among you that will allow you to also unlock those keys of the kingdom not only for yourselves, but for others, not only now, but for many years to come. May God bless you. Well, we are grateful to Todd uh, for bringing the message this morning. Let's pray together. God, this morning we are grateful for the finished work of the cross and for Jesus' willingness to endure just wrath in our place poured out for our sin. We are saved, redeemed, and restored by your covenant love for your people. Now, having received your Spirit, we pray that by it you would work in us to produce greater knowledge of the hope to which we have been called, the riches we receive, and the glorious inheritance of the saints that we receive, and the immeasurable greatness of your power toward us who believe. Be at work in us. Bring the gospel to bear in our hearts and help us to bring that gospel to bear in the world through preaching and loving and serving our global neighbors. Thank you for Todd's work with peer servants, for his heart for the kingdom, and for his words this morning. We lift these prayers to you in the name of your Son. Amen.